Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. All right, friends. So here's the game. Name that movie. Oh. I'm going to give you a famous movie quote, and you have to tell me which movie it's from, and you also have to tell me what the who the character was. That's it. Okay, I I think I might be able to name the movie, but there's no way I'm gonna know the character. No, listen, I I I set this game up. It's easier than you think. I promise. I'll say I'll say, Luke, I am your father, (laughs) (laughs) and you'll say someone's doing impressions on the pod. Is what I would say. Listen, I'm I'm damn near forced into them, okay? I would say Star Wars Darth Vader. Ding, ding, ding. See, it's easy, okay? Ready? Okay, I just just don't, I'm just not that confident. I feel like I'm being set up. Can we just do the movie? No. No, we cannot just do the movie because I made the game. Okay. You are in the passenger seat, Mm -hmm. okay? Okay, I'll tell you this. You can say the actor, right? So, like, if if it's Star Wars and Darth Vader, you can say what? James Earl Jones. You took it too long. (laughs) This is not going to go well for you. I First of all, I fully blacked out. I blacked out. (laughs) That's how nervous I am. (laughs) Wait, the first one is pretty easy. You're going to get this one easy. Okay. Ready? Yeah. Molly, you in danger, girl. Oh, 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 oh. Um... That is uh, uh, Whoopi Goldberg, Ghost. Okay, I don't great. know what I don't know what her character's name was, but that's definitely okay. Whoopi. Okay, I, I'll give you that. Ding ding. Yes, uh, you, 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 you said. I, <laughs> no, I'm giving it to you. You were reluctant. You were like, well, I guess, <laughs> sir. I told you I wasn't gonna know the character. I don't know the character's <laughs> name. <laughs> Okay, okay, I gave it to you. I only the only thing I gave it to you is because like I I had to look it up too. Okay, um, thank you. It's, it's Oda Mae Brown, oh, the yeah. blackest southern no. name you ever heard of. Oda Mae Brown. Oda Mae, no way. Okay, okay, okay. All right, next one. My precious. Ooh, Gollum, right? Uh-huh. From um, ooh, Lord of the Rings. Oh, good job, good job. I okay. haven't even seen that movie. <laughs> Um, ready? It's alive! It's alive! Frank, um, oh, well, now this is this is a trick one because of the movie is Frankenstein, I think, but I don't think, I don't think Frankenstein says, who says that? I don't know. I don't know this one. Oh, gosh, I thought, I, I had, re- I had real faith in you for a Wait, minute What there. is this one? Because it, it is a little tricky. It's Frankenstein, yes, but who says it is Dr. Frankenstein. See, that's that, I, I was, I was, I was there. 
but not fully there. I have no idea who that actor is. So we're yeah, gonna, we're I don't know who that man is. I hope I don't sound ridiculous. I don't know who this man is. I mean, he could be walking down the street. I wouldn't, I wouldn't know a thing. Sorry to this man. Okay, two more. You can't handle the truth. Oh, okay. That is a movie. That is a movie where it's like, um, he's wearing a, what is that called? <laughs> 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 he's in the service. He's wearing a... <laughs> yes, you go again. He going. is. I don't. Oh, he's very angry. I don't know. I don't know what the movie is. He's on the is. stand. Oh, he is Demi Moore's in it. Oh my God! Wait, it. Uh, oh, uh, a few good men. <gasps> I am so proud of you. I am so proud of you. Who is the actor? I don't know. You're never gonna get Charlie the character. Charlie Sheen. <gasps> Martin oh, Sheen. Yeah. Martin Sheen. No, no. Oh, cook. Nice though. Nice though. Jack Nicholson. Oh God. I damn. see. But the, they're same, in the same, same yeah, world. Yeah. You know. I'm giving it to you. When the oh. casting director really wants Jack Nicholson, he can't get him. He goes to Martin <laughs> Sheen. I just want to give. I just want to make this about me for a second and give me. I have so much empathy because as you're doing it, I'm experiencing so much. Are you, you feel? I feel I was so excited when you got that. I, Delon, can I just tell you? I feel like I'm taking the fucking ACTs, and my future <laughs> is on the line. And I'm like, if I fuck this up, I'm never gonna amount to anything. That's how I feel right now. You'll never be able to breathe again. You'll never be able to breathe again. <laughs> You'll, we'll take your WGA card away. <laughs> um, okay, last one. Ready? Okay. South Central does it like nobody does. Ooh. South Central does it. I don't know. I'm gonna just guess. I feel like maybe it's from Boys in the Hood. Oh, not bad. Not a bad guess. It's actually a trick question. This is how we do it. Uh, 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 uh. This is how we do it. Ooh, wait, wait. No, no, no. no, uh, listen, no. Uh, listen. 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 <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I hate you for that. Let me fix it. Hello, and welcome back to Let Me Fix It, the podcast that says John Travolta was a certified hottie, and I dare you to say that he motherfucking wasn't, okay? Okay, I- I'm going to cut you. I'm going to cut you. <laughs> I'm Francesca Ramsey. I'm an actress, a producer, a writer, and a former graphic designer. And I'm Delon Grant. I'm an actor, a singer, a photographer, and a writer. And Fran, what do you think about this being our first Let Me Fix It podcast episode I mean, about a film? Shout out to us for launching a podcast in the midst of the actors and writers strike <laughs> and not crossing that picket line by talking about struck work that said we do have a bunch of films uh for future episodes on our list class we keep a running list of potential pod topics so like we always say if you would like to suggest a tv show a celeb a brand or a movie that we should fix on a future episode hit us up on instagram at fixitpod or email us let me fix it pod at gmail.com and guys, we also haven't done any TV shows yet. That is that is How? wild, but very exciting news. DeLong is cooking up an episode about TGIF. TGIF. For those of you that remember or don't remember, TGIF was ABC's Friday night programming in the 90s and early 2000s. Thousands, And I would like the record to show that I also wrote this episode <laughs> and I wrote that friends said early 2000s instead of the phrase she can't be bothered to say. Mm. Not that I wasn't tempted, but I let okay. it go. Yeah. I, I, did you let it go? If you... <laughs> 
if you me- <laughs> if you mention it, then you. you, by definition, have not let it go. But I would also like the record to show that you should not get credit for using the right word instead of the wrong word. You know, I just slipped it in the back end. You know, that's how we do. <laughs> I do not consent. I do not consent to that word being on this pod, okay? <laughs> right. One of the reasons I think it's valuable for us to discuss and fix movies, TV shows, is because I think everything deserves critique. Everything is up for constructive criticism and should be. It's about being discerning for me and asking more of the stories that we're telling. And the more popular something is, the more I think we should be discerning about what it's adding to the culture, you know? Mm-hmm. Thank you for saying discerning twice. I didn't hear you the first time. The more that I think about it, I'm going to say discerning is a $50 word. Thank you very um, much. It is. It just adds a little je ne sais quoi to the sentence so what do you you say it it just has a little gravitas gravitas yes it really has a little bit of weight um i agree with you uh film tv music media they all shape our cultural consciousness and critique in that respect is very important especially when we look back on what society deemed great so today we are going back in the timeline to discuss 1989's blockbuster hit look who's talking starring kirstie alley and john travolta now if you have not seen this movie do not worry because we will do a little recap along with diving into its history and do some discerning to figure out why it was such a hit and then delon and i will do our best to fix it by fan casting a modern day reboot so let's dive in look who's talking let me fix it (laughs) Uh, so i put a few notes here because delon you suggested that we do this movie i had another pitch i won't spoil it uh but why did you suggest this movie? Did you watch it as a kid? You know, I was just thinking about like being excited about film and TV and how we haven't done on on the pod. And I did watch it as a kid. And it is one of those films in my mind that's kind of seared visually, films of visual media. Um, just we'll get into some of the reasons why the images are so iconic and mm-hmm. um and some of the ways in which they they made those images, created them. Um, but I do remember it just being on HBO all the time when I was a kid. You had my HBO? Office. My grandmother did. Uh, Oh. She sure is. I, I would be at her house and it would always be on HBO. Okay. Do you well, remember this movie? Okay. So I do remember this movie, but I have a more of a vivid memory of Look Who's Talking too and Look Who's Talking Now. We were a little um, older by that point. Yeah. Those are the ones that I really remember. Like the, I remember like the elements of the original. But when I started watching it, I was like, oh, okay, some of this stuff feels familiar. Mm. But I don't know. I genuinely had not thought about this movie in years. I had neither. And I don't know what put it in the brain hole, but I was like, oh, that feels like it <laughs> the, brain a, the brain hole. The brain hole. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. something that gets there and you're like, I don't know how that got there, but it's stuck and yeah. I can't let it go. Um, anyway, so. Look Who's Talking landed in theaters class in the fall of 1989, and it stars John Travolta, who most of us know from the iconic turn as Danny Zuko in the movie musical Grease. Fran, do you remember what the big song was from Grease? I just, I do remember. Summer loving, had me a blast. Uh, Summer loving. I also remembered that every high schooler in that movie looked a smooth 45 years old. (laughs) 
easy. When I watched that movie as an adult, I'm like, how in the world did any of these people pass as teenagers? Ho- listen, Hollywood, Hollywood was tricking us. Hollywood <laughs> was like, we get to tell you what looks like what, right? Um, I actually meant. I'm, now that we're saying it, like there are a bunch of songs from Greece. So Greece. many. It's an iconic movie, but I was thinking we go together. Yeah, this move, which is a very sexual move. Listen, I don't know what you're talking about. If we're we're being honest, we the innuendos don't stop on this pod. Not on they nor should they ever. No, I'm sorry. Um, so Look Who's Talking also starred Kirstie Alley, whom we all know from her six years she spent in the late 80s and early 90s playing Rebecca Howe on the hit NBC sitcom Cheers. The film was built as a vehicle for Travolta and Alley because they were megastars at the time. But I didn't know this, friend. You you kind of popped this into the doc um, that... Allie was starring on Cheers, and she she hadn't proven herself, the studios Yeah, I mean, this is one of those, like, really dumb things where, like, she was very successful on Cheers, but the studios were like, but can she open a movie? She's a TV actress. She's a TV actress, God, which, again, it's God. so dumb. And then Travolta, while he had been very successful, he had just come off of a string of, like, flops. And it's that thing that Hollywood does to unfortunately actors, writers of all backgrounds, where they oftentimes will be like, well, that thing didn't do well. So now in our minds, we're not sure if you have what it takes. But it's like, it might not be his fault that the movie didn't do well. Like, flop is relative. Um, So it's really interesting that before the movie was coming out, the studios were nervous and they actually really leaned on the baby aspect of the film in the marketing rather than pushing John Travolta and Kiersey Alley as the stars because they thought like we got to trick people into seeing this this movie. That's so nuts because like they who are you, you going to put Delon and Francesca in it? Right. So, two right. randos. They, yes, act, exactly. they obviously bring cachet to the film. They obviously bring something to the film or else you wouldn't cast them. So it's, it's like kind it's, of an oxymoron. It, almost. Exa- Weird. It 1000% it is. Yeah. And we see this throughout our industry where, you know, they'll say, well, we really like this person, but she's never been the star of a TV show before. It's like, well, bitch, well, you gotta be do- a star of one show <laughs> in order to, become a star like jennifer aniston wasn't a star when you put her Talk in friends the whole cast were unknowns and then they became stars so it, it to your point is this oxymoron where they want somebody who they feel is strong enough but at the same time it, it can't overpower the story they can't stand out too much where you can't conceptualize them as the character right like can't be too yeah. big of a name it's it's very weird well it's also really funny too just to like one more one more t- thing on this because these studios make money regardless, right? <laughs> like the especially in like 1989 where right. TV and film are kind of the the way we consume stories. Yeah. So like if you're a TV show like Cheers, like you're making money via commercial ads, right? right? And people are going to go see your film generally um because people were still going to the movies like in droves well yeah and they didn't have the they didn't have the competitiveness of today's streaming market right Right, where you can see in tiktok and social media you can watch content everywhere so uh, on the one hand exactly on the one hand you can understand that studios have a financial stake and they want the movies to be successful but it's it's Again, hindsight is 2020. They were worried about the success of the movie. It was a huge success. Huge. And according to Kirstie Alley's memoir, 
during the filming, she started to fall for John Travolta, but she said, I'm going to be faithful to my husband. And the girl didn't me all, didn't me all like, for John Travolta. Could you blame her? I'll get out of here. Well, also, like, also not her life imitating art. We'll mm-hmm. get to the story, the the synopsis here in a second. Yeah. But, like, her yeah. character's cheating with her client. So that's, a, that's uh, a perfect segue to say, class, if you have not seen this movie, or it's been a while, we will give you a little brief recap. It follows Molly, Kirstie Alley, as she navigates an unplanned pregnancy and the birth of her son, Mikey. So Molly becomes pregnant while having an affair with her manipulative, womanizing accountant client, Albert. Why I was she... so mad. I, I didn't want to say his name in this damn thing because he is so foul. Why is she messing with this man? He's the worst. Like the D must be great. <laughs> I... <laughs> friend, friend, suspect. I, suspect. I'm not. I'm not sure it was worth it. But the twist of the film is that throughout her pregnancy, we hear the thoughts and voice of her unborn child, starting from the sperm fighting to burst into that egg, all the way through childbirth and childhood. Hence the title. Look who's talking. So despite her baby daddy being a deadbeat, Molly decides to raise the child on her own. Um, the child's voiced by Bruce Willis, funnily enough. And when she eventually goes into labor, she calls down a yellow cab and the cabbie, James John Travolta, rushes her to the hospital. And then he's later mistaken for the father. And then uh, he ends up being there when Molly gives birth. James continues to show up in Molly and Mikey's life in different ways. And when James asks to use Molly's address to help his grandfather get into a fancy nursing home, she reluctantly agrees. In exchange, James becomes Mikey's babysitter. And then all of the elements of a normal rom-com. And so is this a rom-com? Is this a rom-com or is this like a a family-style rom-com? Yeah, I think it's a rom-com. It's funny that you even say family because while technically there are the members of the family, it was considered to be a little raunchy. Like the baby is making sex jokes. <laughs> the baby's making sex jokes. I mean, listen, and we'll get to this, but the sperm going through <laughs> the fallopian lo- tube loved, is like I loved that stuff. It was brilliant. It was I brilliant. was cracking up the sperm are fighting. They're like, bitch, get out the way. <laughs> Like they're racing to the egg. Like Literally. it's funny. It's very, very funny. Um, so just some of the, the rom-com things that happen. Molly and James fall in love, but they find every reason to deny their feelings mm-hmm. for one another. There's a healthy montage of Molly going on dates because you know, patriarchy of it all. She's trying to find a father for Mikey. Yeah. Um, James sabotages one of her dates. It continues with a hijinks and a car chase when the adults in the room they forget where Mikey is. And Mikey randomly finds his way into a car that's being towed and then they have to hunt him down in James's taxi. I that moment is when I was like, I am so old. I could not suspend my disbelief as the baby right. just walks out of the nursing home into this gets into a car the car is driving then he gets out of the car he's roaming around the streets oh my as god the he's cars, in the middle of traffic the cars are speeding by him i i mean i knew he was going to be fine but i was like this is not funny this is no terrifying but i do this this is where the voice comes in that kind of makes it funny where he's like oh what's this and like he's just kind of like going around it's cute it's cuter than I, it is I, funny yes but. i will say 
I do love, he gets in this car that's being towed and he puts a breadstick in the key, in the mission. He does. He's like, I know what I'll do. Like I was watching like cracking up. I was like, why is this so so funny? Um, So dumb. So Delon, since we both rewatched the movie for today's episode, I'm curious, what do you think worked about this movie? Um, Well, as we said, John Travolta being oh my is god, cool. I mean, when they, and they have him dancing in this movie class, and I was like, I always have John Travolta moving his <laughs> hips for for whatever reason. It's just mm-hmm. delicious. Um, to get into the weeds a little bit, and I'd love to get your your take on this yeah. tooth, Fran. I think one of the thing that things that really works is the writing. I think they do a good job. Um, Amy Heckerling is the director who we'll talk about in a second, but she does a great the director writer. She does a great job of making James's character run into Molly a lot, mm-hmm. right? Creating the the grandfather storyline. Yeah. He gets mistaken by the as the father, and then they just put a schmata on him, and all of a sudden he's in the delivery room, yeah. right? Um, she forgets her purse in the in the taxi, and then he comes to deliver her purse. So I think that was that worked really well. Yeah. Because otherwise, how do you get these two characters? They just meet in the, a shopping mall together. Yeah, I, I mean, look, you can always create circumstances for them to run into each other. Not that I disagree that the writing is good. I think this is one of those things where, like, John Travolta really fucking carries every scene that he's in. Yeah. He's just the charm. so dreamy and so charming. Yeah. You could ask him to read the back of a cereal box, and I would be like, <laughs> like, he's so hot. And honestly, I, I forgot. Know. I forgot. Like, I, you know, I know the the Adele Dazeem version of John Travolta. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> I was just talking about Adina Menzel. Just quick, just to <laughs> tell what that is. So at one Oscars in, the, in, you know, the last 10 years, Adina Menzel is a Broadway actress. She sang the song uh, Frozen to for the animated film Frozen. It was nominated for an Oscar. John Travolta gets up to Give her announce an her. Award and, or announce her, I guess. Announce her before she sings the song, and he can't say her name. Her name is Adina Menzel. And he said, Adele disease, <laughs> but then like it made her. It was a whole moment. Oh, it was and great. It lo- everyone was talking about it. It was her. great. It was funny, and she's so talented and gracious. Like she kind of rolled with the punches. I'm sure people right. have mispronounced her name a bajillion times, but I bring it up because that version of John Travolta, kind of like bumbling and bald and like weird plastic surgery and like wearing too much makeup like that's the version i have in my mind but when you see him in this movie or you go all the way back to like welcome back cotter you're like welcome back cotter oh like i get it you get it like (laughs) like panty dropper basement flooded rip up tight rip up the 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 what's what am i thinking of the fucking the carpet. The carpet. The car- I was trying the to carpet. make. I was trying to make an analogy about the basement being flooded, and I, my brain. Oh, oh shit. My brain hole crapped out on me <laughs> as I was talking. Um, Wait, what do you think? What do you think works? I think John Travolta really works. I think the writing is fine. I think yeah. what also works is the premise is really funny. You know, this uh-huh. this, this talking baby is funny, but to that same end. When I think about what doesn't work, I feel like the talking baby starts really strong and then it just it just they lose it. <laughs> like the baby the baby by the end, I'm like, where the baby's not saying anything. The, the baby's kind of an afterthought, right? I yeah. get that. Like the identity of the film kind of loses itself. Sure. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And I actually I, I really loved 
you know, when the sperm was talking and the baby in the womb was talking and, and we'll get into that. But like, I kind of wish there had been a little bit more of that. I feel like there was more mm. fun to be had there. I also just feel like Kirstie Alley is not maternal to me. Like she just mm. doesn't like when she's holding the baby, it's like she's holding a sack of potatoes. Like <laughs> I don't see love. She's not like, I love this baby. This is my kid. Mm. She And, and even the baby daddy of it all, like, she doesn't ask him for any money. She doesn't mm -hmm. ask him for help at all. Um, I read that Bruce Willis improvised a lot of the baby dialogue, and we can I can kind of tell. Like it's some mm. sometimes the dialogue is just like, "There's my hand. Now I'm walking." It's like you're just saying what's happening. Like what right. what are you feeling? I thought was interesting is that the studio originally wanted Robin Williams to voice the baby, really? but he was too expensive. Now, Robin Williams would have ate the fuck out of it. Yo, Robin Williams would have been a star of that film. They should have paid for that. They should have paid for that. Right? I mean, That's I think crazy. he might have overshadowed uh, Kiersey and, and John Travolta in that respect. 100%. But when you name the movie Look Who's Talking and the poster is the baby, the baby yeah. should kind of be the star. And I just, I don't know. I, I agree I with you. That. One of the things I had, and this is probably putting too much lo logic on it mm -hmm. and not suspending my disbelief enough, but I'll talk, I'll have a comment about this later when we talk about something else. But like, there are all of these things that like she her water breaks mm -hmm. and then she gets into this taxi and then we get out and we see her whole body and there's no stain around her vagina <laughs> now listen i know nobody wants to see no. somebody's pee no. water break yeah. stain on yeah, the vagina, yeah, yeah. but don't make a big plot moment of her water breaking yeah. and then her get out and be dry as a bird you know yeah that's just that's weird to me <laughs> also dry as a bird i don't i don't know if that's the <laughs> phrase but okay <laughs> what was dry as a dry as a what dry as a, a desert, desert a desert yeah whatever okay. uh listen i i have no room to talk about people's analogies i couldn't remember the word carpet it took me <laughs> five minutes to get carpet out um yeah and and to your same point about the suspension of disbelief if there's a payoff i think we can get on board like james yes. being mistaken for the husband like the funny payoff is that he ends up in the the room with her right like right so i, I think the water breaking of it all like yes it, it it is like a small detail but i think you're right like it's it is it takes you out at least us as we're watching with a more critical eye of course because sure. we're watching for the purpose of the podcast but i felt like that throughout the movie again the fact that she has this baby and she does not go to the father of her baby and say give me some fucking money or help she... me out or i'm gonna tell your wife you know what i mean Oof. like she that was just weird to me and and i and and i also feel like the fact that she, we start the movie we meet her and she's she's the other woman, she's the mistress, it makes her unlikable. You're like, I can't root for this girl. Mm. Like, Well, and I also like the idea that she still wants him and that she ugh. still thinks that they're going to be together after all of and that. And he's I'm like, so, class, he's so sleazy. Like, he's really not gross. good looking. He's he's very clearly, like, running game on her. He, Manipulating he's her. He's like, Oh, I want to break up with my wife, but I just can't. She's because because what's the excuse? She's bulimic. And she's. she's bulimic. <laughs> I mean, that's funny. But not like, not to laugh at people who are. But uh, what does that know, have to bulimia. do? What does but it, has <laughs> it has nothing to do with it? Nothing. It has nothing to do with but it. But as the it's audience, so you're like, why is she believing this? Why does right, she believe right. him? She's so dumb. 
Well, and they're in the comedy lies, right? Right. Um, the, one of the things I took away from watching it was like, do you remember when movies were just like 90 minutes? When they were just an hour this and a half? This movie felt... Banged out. This movie was shorter than a than a, a heart attack. It was over. <laughs> you, I, she, that would game quicker. <gasps> Quick as My a heart brain attack. was like, bitch, <laughs> not again. Let's let's get through it. I was like, what's best? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, I thought the same thing. I, over before you before you the blank. pacing because the movie starts you meet her all of a sudden she's pregnant she was yes we didn't get to know anything about her or you know her wants her hopes her dreams other than i really hope that he breaks up with his wife and then she's right. pregnant it was and then, and then you, literally you saw sperm she <laughs> popped that baby out in two seconds even the yes. labor was two seconds long it was just yes. they yes. were really at a clip Yes. Um, I wanted to ask, was there anything that surprised you during the rewatch? I was surprised by uh, John Travolta, as we keep, <laughs> that's the theme of the podcast. <laughs> but he has a line that I really loved. He's like talking to baby Mikey after he's mm-hmm. out of the womb. And he's like, man, welcome to the world. He's like, isn't it crazy? You spend nine months trying to get out and the rest of your life <laughs> nine trying months to get trying back to get in. Back in? <laughs> She said the rest of your life trying to get back in. I was like, that is fucking... I rewound it and watched okay. it again. Because I was like, did I hear that correctly? Because that's fucking funny. It was funny, but also like so inappropriate. Like, why would you say that to a baby? <laughs> like, Absolutely. Absolutely. That is so funny. Um, I I also just want to shout out the fact that Kirstie Alley, man, she's so... Despite the fact that they kind of set her up because her character inherently is the other woman and like not likable, she's very charming and fun to watch on screen. Mm. But like I, man, her reputation in my mind is ruined because of how she was on Twitter. She was like Mm. super anti-vax, didn't believe in COVID and MAGA and blah, blah, blah. Um, Was she MAGA? Oh, yeah, girl. She was. She was MAGA, MAGA. You never know. Yeah, you you really don't. And then I think about, you know, again. To see John Travolta in this way and know who he is now, which is a Scientologist. <laughs> oh, God. It's, Listen, don't they say never meet your heroes? <laughs> I mean, we not go, we're probably never, I'm never going to meet John Travolta. I don't have any plans to. Um, right. But it is it is just interesting. And I'm, I'm excited for us to do more episodes like this because it's easy to replace in your mind who a celebrity is with who you know them to be from like, popular culture right and it's kind of fun to go back and go oh you, you've actually had some talent like you brought something to the genre and dare i say like this is a classic rom-com that a lot of other films have kind of like embodied that same vibe you know the the enemies to lovers were raising a baby together we've seen it a bajillion times but like this kind right. of solidified it in many in many ways Right. And I mean, and it also is that genre of rom-com that is really, um, it's light. Mm-hmm. It's like you had a hard 40, 40 hour week. You just want to go to the movies with your partner and eat some popcorn, laugh a little bit and say, we did something over the weekend. Yeah. So you have something to talk about when you go back to the office on Monday. Um, and, and the eighties, I feel like were that the eighties were a lot of goofy kind of, I miss um, that. I, I, you know what I mean? I miss a goofy movie. Not not the yeah. goofy movie with Goofy, but like a movie. <laughs> that one too. It's cute. But like, yeah. you're you're right. Like the rom-com that was just like good, clean fun. Yeah. You know, I like movies that have a message. Don't get me wrong. But I think especially now more than ever, we need movies that are just pure escape. 
And Please. we really, we really don't have that many of those anymore. I, I think you know, dare I say, uh, the action movie is taking up a lot of that escapism space. Yeah, but, um, and well, you know, we could do a whole episode mm-hmm. about that. But those action movies, <laughs> yeah. that shit's propaganda. Yeah, the the rah rah America, that's what that is. You know, y'all, y'all okay. are having a good time, but they are tricking your ass into thinking okay. we're the greatest nation in the world. You know, out here saving people. We're not saving but shit. Read between the lines. Mm-hmm. Um, so the film was written and directed by Amy Heckerling, who is also the writer and director of Clueless, another iconic film which we should absolutely do an episode oh, on. Yeah. Too many memes, too many cultural things not to acknowledge mm-hmm. that. Um, Heckerling would go on to write two sequels to Look Who's Talking, entitled Look Who's Talking 2, as Fran mentioned earlier, and Look Who's Talking Now, which she remembers from her childhood. Yo, Fran, Hollywood loves a sequel. Hollywood loves a sequel. They do. The another thing that that's not in here that I forgot to add is they also did a TV show based on this movie. Did it only really? had one season. And it reminds me of the fact that Clueless had a TV show. Do you remember that? It- I do remember that. that it was not different that era. good. No, it wasn't. It yeah. was not good. But but that was very much to your point about Hollywood loving a sequel. If it works, Hollywood wants to do it over and over and milk over again. That. Give me the tea, milk and milk and milk. I haven't, I have not watched Look Who's Talking To or Look Who's Talking Now in a minute, but I remember them being so funny. I would I would really love to go back and just see if they hold up. But I, I kind of mm. remember them being funnier than the original i don't know am i just making that up i I just i don't know well i feel like um it's funnier you know why because joan rivers plays the daughter well look who's talking too no she's she was originally going to be the daughter she's the she's the voice at the end of look who's talking and then it becomes roseanne Oh, another shite. another person who ruined her fucking image because of Twitter. But yes, I'm Roseanne. I'm so sad that that Roseanne that is that the baby. Didn't work out for her. Yeah, Roseanne is the baby in uh, Look Who's Talking too. I think what I love about Look Who's Talking now, maybe this is just like the dog mom in me. I love that it's dogs talking. Like more movies with dogs talking, please. I mean, I always feel like um, those those are always successful. Uh, always brilliant but they had to go to dogs like yes if they wanted to do a third movie what else another kid yeah. no boring we saw no it, no right? we've already we had, seen right. it so you know of course hollywood loves the sequel because it's about money it is cheaper right. for the studio to produce a sequel especially if a movie is successful there's less of a marketing push it's got that name recognition there's no need to serve up something new and original when they can just give us a second or a third helping of whatever they put in our mouths before we're looking at you marvel also, uh-huh. would love to be in a Marvel movie. Call us, thank Mr. You. Marvel. Please, thank you. <laughs> Call us. <laughs> but you know what Hollywood doesn't love? A female writer-director. So before directing Look Who's Talking, Amy Heckerling was best known for her 1982 directorial debut, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, which we all know as an iconic film starring a young Sean Penn and Forrest Whitaker. Come on now. Like, crazy. Come on. Star-studded. Iconic. But this is wild. She was put in what's known as director jail after she did 1985's National Lampoon's European Vacation because it bombed. So once again, this idea of like you did something and this 
specifically happens to female directors, right? Talk about it. Because male directors are allowed to make bad movies and it happens, right? Like there's so many elements. It's honestly a wonder whenever I've been on set, it's like, holy shit, this many people are working together to make this thing happen. This is magical, right? So balls get dropped, you know, things happen in the world. You you just never know how something's going to do. But for her, it it kind of stunted her career. And there's a quote from her in IndieWire saying, I knew that I didn't want to be a, quote, female director doing, quote, female projects because there's so damn few of those. Everybody I knew would be competing for them, and anybody that messed up would reflect badly on all of us. There's so much to unpack here because that's just, it's just way too much responsibility, first of all, to put some on something that's so subjective, mm-hmm. on, on something that's one project. And Fran, you and I talk about this a lot. It's like uh, women people of color queer folks trans folks we have to be allowed to have mediocre even bad films tv show art projects too to your point everyone else does all these men are allowed to fail why can't we fail right um and you know it's also about like not having enough practice telling our stories um and another quote from from amy heckerling to, to really emphasize about the the inequity of it all she said it's a crapshoot. There's no telling if a movie is going to work or not. End quote. Yeah. Not every movie is a success. So on average, fewer of our, you know, black, queer, whatever, stories are told, developed, produced, distributed. And if it's hard to strike gold and have a hit with a film, the math is telling me that we obviously are just going to have fewer hits and more mediocre to average bad art yeah right? it's so it's, I, I think we just have to we need some um not reparations but affirmative action yeah here. no it's so true it's really this crabs in a barrel mentality where like instead of demanding more from the powers that be aka old white male executives we end up criticizing and over critiquing our contemporaries and their work instead of saying like your work should reflect you and not mm. all of us. When a man's film doesn't do well, we don't say all men. We got to stop letting men direct. <laughs> <laughs> we go, you know, we go at, they pat him on the back and they go, better luck next time there. You know what? Next time. You know, here to make you feel better, here's a few hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> Try totally. again. Another quick factoid. There are only three women who have won the Best Director Oscar and a mere eight who have ever been nominated. And it wasn't until 2010 that the first woman actually won Kate Bigelow for Zero Dark Thirty, and it would be another 10 years before Chloe Zhao would become the second woman. She won for Nomadland, Nomadland in 2020, and Jane Champion, uh, who won in 2021 for The Power of the Dog. So it's not that there aren't competent women directing films, right? Like, right. We, and we talked about this when we did our Glow Up Awards episode awards are subjective right people are voting um and it's it's impossible to say like this movie is the best everybody's going to have their own opinion but the reality is because the voter base is so heavily male it is going to be weighed in a way where people are going to relate to work by people that look like them that's just the facts you know it's so true it's so true and i mean not to throw more math at you but like women are there are more women than there are men in the world Mm. so the idea that there just aren't enough women i'm making this up nobody said this there aren't enough women directors to be nominated i just don't think that's true 
right? Yeah, um, the playing I, field just hasn't been leveled in the sense where like women aren't getting the same opportunities, right? And right. it's like everybody has to start somewhere. It's that same thing I was talking about that when people say or executives say, oh, we really like her, but she hasn't done this before. It's like, well, you have to give everybody a first chance. Everybody right. has to do their first film. Everybody has to get their first time as the manager, right? If you're going to take it out of the Hollywood sphere, you need to just take a chance on people. And unfortunately, when you embody a marginalized identity, people feel like it's a bigger risk. Well, we've never done this before. Yeah, bitch, you never done it before because your biases are preventing you from seeing this person right. as competent. Give them a right. fucking chance. <laughs> well, and what about mentoring right what about saying yeah we'll hire Francesca to do that thing but we're gonna you know here's what the pay will be because we're also gonna pay a mentor to like just guide her along oh, in the process I would and you love might that. say no to that but like that's it's an option right yeah. it's like not saying no because you don't have any experience it's saying hey let's invest in her and, and help her um meet whatever need we think needs to be met whatever you know metric we we see yeah um so amy heckling had a hard time getting those white male executives to see the light with look who's talking warner brothers disney orion pictures all passed on the film before tristar pictures bought it but the joke's on them because <laughs> the film would go on to gross 279 million dollars worldwide shit. Which is almost 40 times its $7.5 million budget. Yo, Amy, that's how you stick it to them. Those are some huge, huge 40 numbers. 40 times yeah. the budget? No, that's incredible. Like, that's crazy. And, and Fran, I kind of felt like parts of it were giving pro-life propaganda. Ooh. Hear me out. I, I think it was because the film gave a specific voice, like we said, to the baby, right? But even when the baby was a fetus inside Molly's belly, there was like a consciousness and a, a, a thought that thoughts that were happening throughout the gestation period. Like we literally were inside the womb and outside the womb with the bo baby's voice in our head. And that's the character we followed. Like you said, Bruce Willis was the, was the, um, the voice actor, which I think was one of the funniest elements of the, the movie. But to me, it felt like they were trying to say a thing without saying a thing. Did you sense that at all? You know, it's so funny. I, I really didn't read it that way. But now that you say it, I can definitely see it. I I actually noticed that they mentioned abortion um, in the film, but not in like a fear mongering or judgy sort of way. Honestly, the, the bar is in hell. I was like, abortion. Oh. I was the Leonardo <laughs> DiCaprio meme. I was like, yes, they said it. You know, um, Molly says, I'm not going to have an abortion. And she doesn't say it like having an abortion is bad or she's sure. looking down on people. She just says, I'm not going to do it. And and I was just surprised that it was mentioned as an option. And for me, that gives like slight pro-choice vibes. Um, mm. I felt like giving voice to the fetus was really funny. And like I said earlier, I wish they had kind of done more of it because it is a funny device. But it turns out that Amy Heckerling was actually very worried about giving the unborn baby a voice because of those possible pro-life undertones. In 1989, in an LA Times article about the film, she said, I didn't want to do a pro-life type of movie. I wanted to do something that was fantasy. So I didn't want to make a statement that when a baby is conceived, it's talking. A number of my girlfriends said, why didn't you wait until the fetus is three months old before he starts to talk? And I felt like if you're setting up a gimmick, you have to do it immediately. And then I decided I would avoid the whole issue if I made the sperm talk too. I 
loved the talking sperm. She better listen. She better let me fix it. She better <laughs> let me fix I it. I mean, it's clever. I I never again. I really didn't think that, but I appreciate that she gave it a little extra thought in that respect. And Same. you know, the way that I, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, but. I would have said if she was really concerned about that, she could have leaned into it and done almost like a, you know, the cookie timer of like three months of si- three months of silence, like ding, 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 ding. oh, the baby yeah. is ready to talk now. <laughs> yeah, know? that's 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 lovely. That's a lovely solve. Yeah, I just feel I just feel like it was like yeah, saying the thing without saying the thing mm-hmm. by like giving the baby voice. We're like, it has a heartbeat, it has a soul, and not to poo poo anybody's you know, beliefs or experience or anything like that. But it just was like, mm, it's a little surreptitious. It's a little, uh, and that's also clearly telling you what my politics are, yeah. right? I've, I'm averse to it. Um, yeah, but, I but mean, look, I, we did the, the egg. The sperm was a good song. The egg wasn't talking though. You noticed that. I noticed that. that. <laughs> I really noticed that. I really noticed that. Because the, wait, and also the egg comes out, the if class, the egg comes out of the, you know, it's, out of the fallopian tube or you know i don't know the female i barely know my anatomy okay you're like i'm gay (laughs) as tuesday okay um so the the egg comes out but it's like this really sad love me love me love free music and then like the sperm come out comes out and they're like go get it it's like beach boys it's like you know you're like why does the woman have to be the one who's like love me love me and the sperm is like let's cock her you know I mean, look, I'm I'm cracking up just thinking about it because it is so ridiculous. I will say I thought that the fetus looked so scary at points. <laughs> it was huge. It was weird. It was weird looking. It was a weird looking. I thought it was funny. Um, it, that's the 89 part of it where you're like, oh, mm. this feels old. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it is still like fun. And again, the device is really clever. Um, I just I just wish that they had really stuck the landing, so to speak. You know, and I what I do really respect about the way they designed the the fetus and the womb and the the sperm is that to your point if it was done in 2024 it would be all cgi and i'm sure it would be beautiful i'm sure there would be a whole team around it but these people were i found myself being like how the hell did they do that evidently the fetuses were puppets that required 12 puppeteers some of them were hanging upside down (laughs) to operate the fetuses while shooting the womb scenes and the sperm were made of vinyl with fishing weights Mm. tiny fishing weights on the the front of them i thought it's giving craft it's giving francesca (laughs) (laughs) that's you would you would would literally you would gnaw Uh, on that you would literally be like how am i gonna do yeah i mean look i did think the fetus looked weird at times but generally speaking the inside of the womb was so cool like it was colorful and lights and like waving it did kind of have that jim henson's playhouse feel to it you know it was ethereal ethereal um it was you could hear the womb sounds the way that it was like pulsating it was very cool looking and you're Mm. right today it would be uncanny valley they would make it look too you know it reminds me of um when i didn't watch the new little mermaid but every time i saw clips of the fish i was like ew i don't like how real those fish look well and it was weird that like the 
the real people were there and the fish were there and you're like these two things don't fit together and the ha- the hair is what i can't get behind yeah the hair kind of floating i'm like oh that looks so it's, weird it to was me. too it's too weird i think i think the puppetry of it all is a is a happy medium like we yeah. know it's not real but the fabrication makes it feel less bizarro world um, versus computer where even when you know a lot of artistry has gone into those special effects there's something about it that just takes you out because it's i don't know it's just too real it's it's Mm. very strange god man yeah in another life you were you're a special effects specialist in my head like in another life that is your okay you know what it you know what i you know what it really is i'm gonna take a step further i'm the person who's in the studio doing the sound effects you know the person's like walking through the grass and i'm the person like touching the grass going (laughs) that's my that's called a foley artist that's 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 who i'm supposed to be Oh my God! There's a name for that. Yeah. There's always a name. for Yeah, that. like when the person like bites into the you know the the cheesecake. I'm like, <laughs> I'm making all the little noises. <laughs> That's so funny. One of the things I want to get your opinion on, and I think this is again my politics bursting out of me. I think it's so fascinating that you know they they, they depicted the entirety of the reproductive process, but they avoided actually showing any puss and any pain. Okay, it's like Delon. It's first of all, you are a horn dog. It's 1989. <laughs> And it's a rom-com. Of course, I'm not going to show you any, like, actual sex. Well, listen, I didn't, it didn't have to be like, it didn't have to be like John Travolta's ween, nor would it be. But I'm just saying, like, you're showing everything around her. We go to lengths to show, like, the reproductive process and the, the making out. I think and that's the intentional. All this stuff. I think that's intentional. I, I, I personally, I like that she's with Albert and they're getting hot and heavy. And then it's cut to the sperm. It's a sperm. <laughs> Like, I think that that's funny. I think that that's the joke of it all. I, okay, I concede that. But I will also say, I think it's I think it's a puritanist, puritanist, puritanistic. Puritanical. Tend- puritanical, thank you. That's a $50. It's our, 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 it's our Christian tendencies. Mm-hmm. No, I really do think it is because, like, we want to, it's giving, you know, the storks are where babies come from. Yeah. The Easter bunny is real, you know? Instead of being like, no, kids, sex happens and you should not be afraid of sex or not even kids, like, people humans you're humans humans have sex and it doesn't have to be a porno but like it can be like a little more graphic i think (laughs) i want to see people fuck no i i agree with you not fuck i just don't want to i don't want to ignore the realities of what it is i can see both sides i don't remember what this film is rated but if i had to guess i'm gonna say it was like pg pg 13 because it's not sexual and there's really like no cursing there's no nudity it's like a kiss yeah there's it's really it's it's pretty tame in that respect so i'm not surprised that they they don't get more sexual i will say when Kiersey Alley and John Travolta start getting hot and heavy. There was a little bit. He flipped her over at one point. She was face. She was ass up, face down. I was like, okay. And she had cringing. I'm crawling inside myself. She had a look on her face. I mean, it was it was hot. It was hot. So I don't know. For me, it didn't it didn't take me out of the world. Um, one thing that did take me out though, because it's a movie based in New York City. Where are the black people? Yeah. Where are the people of color? There was a secretary who had no name. 
She no. was black. Uh, then there was also a housekeeper who speaks some Spanish, and it's not subtitled. Where were the subtitles? Um, I appreciate no subtitles, actually. Like, but but also like, why she was an ass scene. She was an one scene. I was like, where did she come from? Right. Very strange. So, I, I, but again, it's not that it's okay. But it is very much a time capsule of 89 yeah. where you could set a film in New York City and it is not a glaringly obvious error that there's no people of color with any like real lines or populating the world. Not even a black friend. Not even a friend. Right. She had a friend. Kirstie Alley had a friend. She mm-hmm. could have been black. She could have, could be the funny best friend. I mean, it wasn't a hot dog man. Yes. That, that, that was a Not even a color. biracial? Give me a biracial. <laughs> <laughs> half, meet us halfway, literally. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I really thought the same thing. And my solution for this mm. is... To look toward the reboot because in 2010 it was rumored that the Fast and Furious producer was looking at rebooting the franchise, and so I say, okay, okay, wait, 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 wait. you are jumping ahead to the fix. You're right. You're right. You're right. Okay. okay, Let's first take a quick break and then do the fix when we come back. Cute. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. And we are back. So now that we have rediscovered the film Look Who's Talking, it's time for us to fix it. So, Delon, please continue. Right. So, who would I cast in the franchise reboot of Look Who's Talking? Let's let's talk a POC baby, mm. first of all. Um, so now you know I want Kiki Palmer in everything. Everything. I'm give her like, her I'm things. Obsessed. I mean, come on, run for president, Kiki, right? Um, but I actually want to give this one to Quinta Bronson as Molly. I think she could be really embody like the awkward comedy oh of it God. all, be really vulnerable. She's so charming. I just always want to like kiss her yeah. lovely cheeks. I She's think so that's sweet. a great. That is great casting because and she's having a moment. She's ha- she's the moment is here, but she there's is the moment. <laughs> there's also something about Quinta that just feels really earnest, um, yes, that I really yes. like, and I feel like she would do such a great job in it in a rom com. I'm she's you know she's killing on Abbott, but seeing her in a rom com, it would be great, especially because like she kind of brought the sitcom back with Abbott, so like bring the rom com back too. Like girl, Hollywood needs you. <laughs> You're so right. She brought the sitcom back because it had really died. And that's a that's a single cam sitcom, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Abbott Elementary. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah she, I, I think you're so right. And it's that piece that, you know, Hollywood ha- having a moment where 
they're saying, God, it's, you know, we're telling black stories and yeah. we, we want to have a diverse cast. So like, you know, I think having a female black lead that is having a moment is really smart. For James, I think James requires a lot of charm that, that Travolta embodied and sexual appeal because you mm -hmm. know I'm nasty. But also you have to have the comedy, right? Mm -hmm. So this might be a wild pitch, but I would love to see what Winston Duke does with uh, the show. Uh, Come on. Come on. So class, if you don't uh, remember, Winston turn Duke. Turn me round, bend me over, <laughs> flip me, <laughs> work me. Oh, yes. <laughs> work the middle. Work yes. change. Position, I will also okay? say, I will say you've also made a really funny pairing because you know Quinta is is four foot Tiny. eleven. <laughs> and he is a giant. He is he is the he's poster, my size and the poster's hilarious. I can already see Okay, it. totally. Totally. Um so uh Winston Duke, for those who don't remember, played Mbaku in <laughs> Why did you have Panther. to say it like that? Come on, that's how Mbaku. That's how they said it. You got like gotta be in the throat, you know. Yes. Um, and, but he's also in um Us, which is a Jordan mm -hmm. Peele movie, which he was also brilliant in. Um, I think he's just like there's a clear humor to Mbaku, um, and he has an earnestness to him as well. But he's like a really strong actor, yeah. and also again, clearly, Fran and I want to lick his earlobes. So, oh my god, he's so hot. And to your point, I would love to get to see him do something funny. Like, he's kind of yeah. funny in Us. Like, he's very charming and silly when he's, like, dancing around at one point. Yes. And that one moment in a freaking horror film, it's that thing where you're like, ooh, I would love to just see him play in that a little bit more and just get to have fun. Yes. There's something to be said for, like, a person his size as somebody who, I don't know how tall Winston Duke is, but I'm about his, you know, let's say he's relatively my size. I think he's bigger. But... They want you to play a leading man. They want you mm -hmm. to play somebody that's imposing and whatever. So I think the comedy of it, of juxtaposing like him being like a really charming kind of goofy guy that you fall in love with, but also like having that kind of imposing body, I think this really would be a nice just juxtaposition. Yeah, um, I love that. For the voice of baby Mikey, I would give it to not a person of color, but I think it would be great. Uh, Paul Rubens, who we lost, who was Pee Wee Herman. Mm -hmm. I think he his voice, because you have to have like something really quirky, I think, for the baby's yeah. voice. Um, if I couldn't get Pee Wee Herman, I would go with something like extremely crazy and, and different and low, like a Ving Rhames, um, oh, which could be funny. really funny. Is that funny? Um, last choice is is Michelle Wolf. I think her that like kind of oh, shrill man. thing she does with her voice would be so funny as Baby Mikey. Michelle Wolf would be so funny, and I think you know again, I I, I liked Bruce Willis in the original. But because he's not a comedian, I feel like the parts suffered when he was doing the improvisation. So I think a Michelle Wolf would be really smart because she's very funny and she could improvise her ass off. And her voice is iconic and so interesting. Yes. It would really like breathe life into the baby and like really make it stand out as a character, which again, I think the original film kind of lacks in that respect. Where's her animated TV show? Like that voice needs to be in an animated TV show, right? Yeah, that's a really good question. I I don't know. She definitely, I mean, she's still very successful and has like a number of stand-up specials. Um, but she definitely had her. like a moment where she was everywhere. Um yeah. and I would I, I, I don't know. I don't know her, know her. Like we've met a few times, but I would definitely could see her voicing a cartoon character. I, I just that does Easy. seem right up her alley. It seems like low hanging fruit. Um, so if I were to fix the plot, if I were to, you know, totally redo the plot, I would make it 
queer, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say nothing about it being queer. There would be no like coming out story, no like queer trauma. It would just be these two people happen to be queer people. Um, and it's just another rom-com, but I would make it two women. I would have James be Jamie and she's an Uber driver. And uh, I would have um, Molly be somebody. I want the, these people to be older women. Mm-hmm. I want them to be older women and I kind of want them to be adopting a baby. I want there to be like another story around it, right? Maybe the, the person that Molly was with was cheating, but maybe they maybe they just got divorced. Maybe it was a conscious uncoupling. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and then they found find each other on the way to go pick up the new baby. Um, the casting. So I know the world would give Leslie Jones the role of Jamie or one of the roles and like Leslie get your bag, get it, get it, get it, get it, get it. But I would love to see a pairing of Wanda Sykes as Molly. Mm-hmm. And I would love to see Sarah Ramirez as Jamie. And I want to give Sarah Ramirez all the things they deserve yes. all the things because mm-hmm. they're so underused and I love their politics and give and them a singing moment. So talented. What? Oh Just my have God, them sing. Guys, have ha- them sing at some point. Have you heard them sing? They are ridiculous. Incredible. The voice Incredible. is dumb. So those are my my fixes. What do you got, Fran? I love that. So we kind of had some similar thoughts. I really hate the cheating with the client storyline. It really made me dislike Molly from the jump. Um, so instead, similar to you, I would love a lesbian couple that is trying to have a baby, um, maybe going to the sperm bank. Funny thing of the sperm all mm. fighting for a chance. That could be Fran. Well done. Just like in the bank with all the voices of the sperm everywhere. The sperm in the Brilliant. bank, like going through the book. I don't know what the process Brilliant. is, but I feel like that could be a really funny scene. Um, another thing that I think could be interesting to kind of flip the rom com on its head is what if it's a hetero couple that decide that they're going to have fr- a kid together, but they're just friends. They're like, you know what? I've always Ooh. wanted to have a kid. Well, they're maybe they're both pessimists about romance of course they will eventually fall in love right but maybe they decide or you know the twist is that that they don't and they decide to just raise this baby as friends i think that could be really fun if we're going to stick with the original enemies to lovers plot uh i like a one night stand even though we've we've seen that before with like knocked up um it would also could be funny if the mom could hear the voice of the baby and no one else could I think that could be interesting. Ooh. Like, it just as an added complication, I always think it's funny when, like, um, you know, in these movies where someone has like an imaginary friend, like, um, what was that movie about? Drop like, Dead Fred. Drop Dead Fred. Exactly. My, my theater director from high school was in that movie. Shout out to them. I love that okay. concept, right? right? Where like you can right. hear the thing and people are like, who are you talking to? And they're like, ah, nobody. Ah. You, like there's just something very <laughs> funny about that. It's Yeah, it's it's a mix of look, your ideas, mix of look who's talking and what women want or what men yes. want. Like when yes, you yes, yes. hear the, the thoughts of, yeah. Yeah, there's something really funny about that. Okay, and then my casting pitches. Molly, Jessica Williams, 
She's beautiful. Ooh. She's funny. I absolutely loved her in Love Life. She has great acting chops. She the camera loves her. There's just something so like na- natural and relatable about her. She has like that maternal vibe without being like I don't know. She's like a hip, cool mom. Like she's stylish. I would see her in like very I'm a cool cute. mom. <laughs> I'm a cool mom. And like cute pregnancy outfits. I just think she would slay yeah. that type of thing. Okay. If I'm going the lesbian angle, wild pitch, Raven Simone. Why have we not seen Raven Simone in a fucking Is she rom-com? difficult to work with? Because why is she not all over the place? She's so fucking funny. And like she yeah. just. She's well, anytime I've gone back and watched That's So Raven, I'm like, this girl's hysterical. She's a star. She's like, Brilliant. she's got like the I Love Lucy, like slapstick yes. thing. Like yes. her water breaking in a cab, like going all over the place. I think that would be hilarious. If I'm yeah. going the later in life thing, which could be another interesting way of, you know, a woman doing IVF, having a, you know, late in life pregnancy. Maya Rudolph could be interesting. Oh, full stop. No, no, no. no. Maya Rudolph. Uh, no, I'm saying yes, yes, yes. I'm <laughs> saying no, but I'm saying yes. <laughs> no, I'm saying yes. No, I'm saying Maya is it. If they don't cast She's... Maya Rudolph in a reboot of this, she is it. She's the she one. She would be so Brilliant. fucking funny in this. Okay. And then for James, Jay Ellis from Insecure. So handsome. <gasps> so <gasps> charming. Has a little Yo, bit of a fuckboy vibe, right? Oh, but 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 still has the charm of innocence the char- and earnestness. He has the Oof. charm. He has the charm. Yes, okay, girl. another person that I think has the charm and could be a potential Daily Show reunion if we do Jessica Williams, Hassan Minaj. Fine, fine. Why do I have the biggest crush on Hassan Minaj? He's smart. He- He's so beautiful. Oh, Ugh. he looks like a Disney prince, prince, right? I- and you know what? I kind of got him so sexual on this podcast. But I feel like Hassan Minaj, I feel like Hassan Minaj would be like, oh, you're not done yet? Don't worry. We'll keep going. Right? <laughs> well, I he's have like, not. He's going like, to make not, sure you get yours. I have not thought about him that way. But sure. <laughs> I, I love the idea that he is a generous lover. Um, yes. And then my last pitch, uh, someone that I have not seen in a rom-com but would love to, is Steven Yun. He is... So charming. <gasps> I love. Uh, I, why am I swooning over every man? Because I you picked good. Because because you know why? Because I thought if we had John Travolta in the original, we need to match right. that energy. We need somebody Yo, who Stephen is Stephen Young, very sexy, charismatic, charming. And again, we haven't gotten to see him. I know he's funny. We see hints of yes. funniness in everything that he does, but let's just let him go there. I think that would be really fun. And then my last pitch is in the lesbian version, if we were going to do Raven Simone with somebody, Abby Jacobson from um, Broad City. Oh, I, I love Abby. J- that's she's, that's good casting. She's she's funny. She's nerdy. She's awkward. She's silly. And then for the baby. I think Wanda Sykes, I think, would be an amazing voice for the Wanda baby. would kill it. Wanda, Wanda would, would kill, kill it. it. And then I so also... Let's just put Wanda in it no matter what. I think Wanda as the baby would be really funny. Another person I think would really kill it for the baby voice is Jim Gaffigan. He's very you know? he's very funny. He does like family comedy. He has kids. Yeah. He's got a bunch of kids. Uh, there's something about him 
the it's like curmudgeony but still like approachable huh. that I feel like right. is funny as a baby. Is so uh, curmudgeony is so good because it's like the way he talks, you're like he's perpetually uncomfortable. <laughs> and so which is like, a baby. like a baby. Well, yeah, which a baby to be the woman just be like, oh, everything hurts. What am I ah. doing here? Oh my god, this is awful. How do I? What you know I- what? Actually, that's not, I was going to say Larry David would be a good option, but Larry I, David is just Larry David. I got, so like, but honestly, Larry David as the voice of a baby would be hilarious. I think that would totally. be funny, too. Oh, my gosh. Well, class, look who's talking. Did we fix it? Who would you cast in a reboot? Tell us on Instagram at fixitpod or send us an email. Let me fix it pod at gmail.com. And now it's time for everyone's favorite segment, the glow up, where we give props to those who turn themselves around without our help. Fran, I think you should go first Ooh. because I'm going to save the best for last. Oh, okay. I'm um, kidding. No. Well, <laughs> my glow up goes to fur. So I'm not somebody that wears fur, but fur is really having a moment because of this so-called mob wife aesthetic taking all (gasps) over on TikTok. What is the internet? (laughs) What is this stuff? Listen, there... This happens all the time where people are like, well, and let, let's be specific, not just people, white people. They're like, now <laughs> the clean girl aesthetic, now the mob wife aesthetic, right, now right. the like trad wife, gro- granola girl, van life, whatever. I have this whole theory about this idea of white people lacking culture and needing to find mm. culture in other places in other places right like sports teams yeah. or you yeah. know their political oh figures God. or musicians or guns this is my brain, brain. breaking yeah like fran that's that and because I, sometimes i don't understand how why people in general but white people are fanatical about mm-hmm. things i think that that's what and it is that gives that makes so much sense to i think that's what it is and i think the mob wife aesthetic is a perfect example where it's like i mm. need a cultural identity because the girls have been fighting about this because the 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 jersey shore ladies the italian girls they're like D- my, my culture is not a costume we're like oh oh you get appropriation oh. now oh okay oh but but you but i see the cornrows girl i see the cornrows right you so. had them door knocker earrings on and the long nails well, we were but, ghetto when we were doing it, but not when you doing it. Got it. Um, so because of this mob wife aesthetic, fur is having a moment. Wow. There is enormous spikes in sales of fur. Um, and again, I'm not a fur person. If you're going to do it, try to do vintage. I mean, they, they do such terrible things to these animals in order to, to make clothing out of them well and girl be ready for the red paint because you know peter's coming for your ass well and i yes you are you definitely run that risk but the faux fur has gotten a lot better and faux fur is really cute and feels real a lot of it looks i feel like there was a time where faux fur looked really cheap and tacky Mm -hmm. but it has Mm -hmm. gotten better to the point that like you know there's some that are expensive if you're gonna buy it and you can splurge, I say go for it so that it lasts longer and it doesn't feel like plasticky. To your point, it feels real-ish and it doesn't smell and feel like Ugh. dry. I don't know. Like, you you know what I mean? Get a little oil of Olay up in there and give it a little <laughs> sheen. <laughs> Wait, I just like, I had a whole reaction because I remember what like real fur actually feels like. Yeah. Like even, even like, if you take the lining off and you actually feel like the skin, you like can feel yeah. the skin of the animal, which is like, Ugh. but it also makes, makes me go back to our, um, 
our Lizzie Borden episode Ooh. where we talked about oh, how she yeah. took her furs to yeah, she didn't she get some cyanide or yeah. something? And when she they were like, She got some cyanide and she, she was, was like, cleaning I was to clean it. my furs. Yeah. With cyanide? That's crazy. Yeah, I just remember that when my my step grandmother passed away, she had a fur and I had never seen a real one before. And it was like a neck piece and the guy's <sighs> little head was on there. <laughs> I hate it. I hate it so much. Yeah, oh, why that, I would you know. want? I was like, why would you want the head still on here? It was. It's taxidermy. Why would you ever want that? Why was that ever in style? I don't know. It was very strange. Um, I will not be rocking any fur. I will say, when I was at Sundance, one of the girls in our group had like a little fur headpiece thing and it was so cute mm. i had had something similar and i lost it in my move and every day that i saw her wearing it i was just like oh i'm so mad that i lost it because it was it was so cute it was just mm. there is something about it that feels very like regal and mm -hmm. extra expensive. like expensive extra you're taking up space um yeah. so fur whether you love it or you hate it you can't deny it it's having a glow up so my glow up this week is, is you know, not in the positive good for you girl kind of vibe. This week, my glow up goes to shaming parents into responsibility. Okay. And let me, uh, disclaimer, I'm not a parent. So y'all can come for me because I don't have kids and I don't know what, it, you know, especially teenage kids who are going to have their own agency and teen teenage kids lie and like whatever, you know. But over the weekend, um, there's a TikTok that went viral of these teenage girls in a Sephora. <gasps> With the blackface? Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. So these class, these teenage girls, they were putting on blackface in Sephora. Why was it blackface? Because they were using makeup testers that are traditionally used for by darker skin tones. So the person who shot the video said in the video caption, this group of teenagers and their moms come in and go to the makeup section and use samples for blackface whilst giggling and making animal sounds. Then a staff member approaches these mothers who were just standing around. And I guess there were people were taking photos or something, but the staff member was, was shocked that people were documenting this. She was like, you want to document this? The mothers were really offended and wanted the person to, the, the video has been taken down, but um, people have made, you know, uh, uh, Well, didn't the moms try to get the them? lady from Sephora uh, fired? <laughs> Did they? They Did they were mad about they were mad that the woman said, Don't do this. Do not do this. It, that's ludicrous. That's ludicrous. But I do think, you know, is this the fault of the kids? No, I think the parents standing right by should be shamed into doing something. I mean, right? I think God this... I think why not both? I think all of them. And yes. the gag's on you when your face starts breaking out because your <laughs> dumbass was putting on the tester all oh don't put the tester on your face. Not the tester. You hate black oh, people that much. You're like, ha, ha, ha. Wow. I'm going to show you. I'm going to use this bottle that's been sitting out here and used by God knows who and rub it all over my face. Oh, God. Screw Disgusting. up your life and your skin. Well, because you know these videos are, they're going to find out who these people are. Oh. And they're going to be all over the internet. Oh, I, I've seen, the, the minute you started describing the details, I've seen this video hundreds of times on my wow. my tiktok timeline they will absolutely find out who these girls are the internet is unparalleled so that's one one instance where i think these parents should be shamed again like you said friend the, the girl should also be shamed because this is terrible but i also want to bring up jennifer crumbly who's the mother of ethan crumbly who was a mass shooter in michigan in 2021 who killed four people and injured seven so 
uh, Jennifer Crumbly was just sentenced, was found guilty. She hasn't mm. received her sentence yet. Found guilty of involuntary manslaughter for her negligence around preventing her son from committing this act. So there were all these things that could have happened um, that didn't happen. Jennifer and James his parents bought the gun as a pre-Christmas gift, but they also, Jennifer took him to the gun range mm -mm. shortly before the shooting. Mm -mm. Um, then he like drew this crazy drawing on his geometry homework of someone being shot with blood everywhere. So then the guidance counselor called in the parents to have a conversation oh, and, and they had a, a 15 minute conversation. Then the parents say, no, we want him to stay in school. They went back to work. That same day is when he shot the school up. I'm not, I don't want, you know, to poo-poo, like I always say, I don't want to poo-poo anyone's experience. I don't want to wish ill on anybody, but somebody needed to be held responsible other than that kid because there were too many signs telling us yes. that- People that were trying multiple times to say something, y'all need to step in. Need we're worried about him. The way he's behaving is, and, and, you know, the thing about guns is if you have a gun in the home, it ups your chances of someone Always. being killed with that gun. And I don't more understand. More often a child. More often a child. And the idea, again, it's one of those things where this is always difficult because some kids are just bad, right? Like some, yes. some parents try everything they can and the kid still fucks up. You know, we have and to. And your kid is like from Omen. Okay. <laughs> you have to acknowledge that sometimes there's that movie. I read the book. We have to talk about. We need to talk about Kevin. <gasps> we need to talk about Kevin. That book. That is the best birth control out here. <laughs> read that book because you just don't know. Okay. And you it's, don't know. it's important to say that. But in this yes. instance, these parents at every turn were like, no, we're going to give you a gun. We're going to teach you how to use the gun. We're not going to lock it up. We know that you're drawing violent images. You've asked them both to take him to a doctor because he wasn't, he was having hallucinations, oh seeing ghosts and oh stuff. God. And they were like, shut up. <laughs> they both like literally shoved it off. And I was like, yo, so you are responsible for this. You had so many opportunities yeah. to help this kid and you just didn't. Yeah, and there definitely has to be consequences. I, again, I, the other thing that you and I have talked about offline, I think more than on the show, we also need to start thinking about preventative stuff because yeah, the, the reality is these school shootings keep happening and there's not a, enough of a deterrent. At this Clearly. point, I, it feels like people are doing this because they want to become infamous. I read yeah. something about the fact that it's better when these mass shootings happen to not publicize who the person is yes. because they're usually copycats. Like these are people who are disturbed and they, they want the attention. And so we have to avoid giving them the thing that they want and encouraging other right. people to follow in their footsteps. But we have to talk about gender-based violence because a lot of times these dudes are beefing with their girlfriends, are beating up their mothers, grandmothers, Ooh. committing sexual violence. They're they're doing all these signs that show you at some point I'm going to I'm going to escalate this violence and and we're just we culturally are just ignoring it. Yeah. And so again, I I, I agree with you that parents should be held responsible, but we're it, it, it's putting a band-aid pardon the pun on a bullet hole right like it's not fixing yeah. the actual issue i think you're right and i think something to, to to pull another thread that you mentioned 
I talk about men being broken a lot because I am a, a living through the male experience. And I do think that we don't help men enough. No. And I think we the burden often lands on women, on, yes. on mothers, yes. on, uh, on wives, on girlfriends to help men. And that's not to say that they, they shouldn't be there as partners or as family members. But I wish that we would have a collective societal conversation just about how we help men because it's not women shooting up these schools. I guess right. it was, there was one woman. There was yeah, one and woman. look, again, but, it, it's not that it doesn't happen, but I think to your point about helping men, men are not socialized to feel comfortable expressing anything other than anger. If you right. feel sadness, if you feel fear, it, those things are seen as a weakness. And unfortunately, when you tamp those things down, they don't go away. Like they are right. just going to explode at some point. And I think I shared this article with you. Um, the article was something along the lines of men have no real friends and women are paying the price for it. <sighs> Oh, you did send yeah, that to me. I'll, that was a really good I article. will uh, put it in the show notes. It was basically about the fact that because men are not socialized to share with each other, their version of community building is like watching sports and drinking alcohol and talking about who they're fucking. They're not talking about like their fears and their dreams and stuff like that. And so what ends up happening is we have a society of very lonely men very very yeah. lonely and then the only way that they know how to exert these feelings is through aggression so you're right we definitely need to have more space for men to talk to each other and talk about their feelings and i'll also add not be shamed for it there are some women pushing well, that shit too i want a manly man a lot. i, I don't well, want you right. drinking a fruity drink i don't want you crying a fruity drink Guys, the way the way on. things are gendered is bonkers. Well, I just finished this play, which I've talked about on the pod before, that is just about platonic male love. The playwright mm. came and did a talk back. And it's just about these two men who are fathers who we don't see very often. We don't see male love with their kids very often in media, uh, TV, film, or on stage. But he talks about not seeing two men who were very intimate, who were caring for each other, very vulnerable, um, and looking each other in the eye unless they're going to kiss or they're going to punch each other in the face. And he's like, wow. I wanted to write something that really depicted that. And I knew that the audience would come in and they would go, God, either these two men are going to end up fighting because it's a black character, white character over race and or they're going to end up making out. It's neither of those things. So they sub he subverts the audience expectation completely. Um, but I just hope and pray that we have more conversations about platonic male love um, because I think men need that clearly. Listen, the patriarchy hurts all of us. Deeply. And the minute we can accept and admit that, I know. The, the sooner we will get to dismantling it so that we can all reap the benefits. And so y'all can get closer to dismantling it. We're going to wrap up this mm. show. So as usually, we want to hear from you. Whose fan casting of Look Who's Talking did you like better? Mine? Yes. <laughs> or maybe <laughs> or maybe you'd like to suggest a TV show, celeb, or brand that we could fix in the future episode. Hit us up on Instagram at fixitpod or email us at letmefixitpod at gmail.com. And do not forget that we have a YouTube channel. Visit youtube.com slash at fixitpod to watch this week's episode and see our lovely faces. And if you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to give us a rating on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, or your favorite podcast app. I'm Francesca. 
And I'm Delon, and this was Love <laughs> Okay, well, <laughs> y'all know the name of this podcast. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> 